good evening. Thanks for coming out tonight. And if you're online, thanks for joining us. Um, so you see the team that we have here. That was part Lynchburg, part uh, Calvary Chapel Richmond. And uh, I just want to just set the table for just a moment. And then you get to see a video and uh, kind of bring things to life. Uh, thank you for your prayers in advance uh, to help us get there and all that God did. We want to just look at a few things tonight, and, and we really do, you know, sometimes people say, well, why, why did you go to Israel? That's not a mission trip, and uh, it's not. It's not a mission trip, although I think we had as much spiritual warfare as some mission trips. Uh, there's just, uh, there's, you know, Satan doesn't like Israel. Did you know that? He, he does not like Israel. He doesn't like what God's done there. He doesn't like what God is doing there right now. So I think our team experienced that, hey, it's a wonderful place, the power of God is there, but there's also some things to deal with. And, uh, you know, that may come up in some of their testimonies. Why we went, I just want to real quickly go through a couple of things. Make sure I've got this on. I'm hitting, okay. Uh, that's Mount Arbel. That was my personal favorite place. Because I'm not going to share a lot about what I experienced. You're going to hear from the team. But that's my personal favorite place. Not just because I'm in the center of that picture. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't take that picture. You can tell there's no way I took that picture. Uh, Trevor took it at a great angle, and I just think it really shows the depth. You know, you, you're looking a thousand feet down on the Sea of Galilee there. Uh, but that was my most special, humbling place. Well, that and the Garden of Gethsemane were the Garden of Gethsemane was my most humbling place to teach, but that was my favorite place. And I've been on both ends. I've sat there with other pastors teaching. I love that spot. So if you ever get a chance to go, I think you'll love uh, Mount Arbel. But why we went, uh, well, let me go back to why we went here real quick. Uh, one, to be amazed at all God has done in the land of Israel. To be amazed at all God has done. Number two, to be strengthened by what God has done in the Scripture. It says in the Psalms that truth will spring out of the earth. Did you know the Bible says that? And it's springing out in the archaeological finds. To be inspired by what God is doing in the people and the land of Israel right now. It's not just about the land, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37. It's also about the people, right? God's whole plan is for what? people. But in that land is where he has done everything from Abraham to the cross and even post then all the way into the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. What God is doing today uh, in the land, the land is blooming exactly the way Ezekiel 36 said it would happen. I mean Israel was just desert 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago and what God is doing there is amazing. But also in the people more Jewish people are coming to faith now than at any point in human history, and in Israel too. So they got a chance to see that, why we went. To be in fellowship and encourage other believers, not only amongst our group, but also Calvary Chapel Lynchburg and other believers that we got to meet in Israel. And lastly, to be a blessing along the way. To go be a blessing and be a witness to people that live in Israel. And we really had a chance to have some good conversations and just be a witness. Now where did we go? And I'm being brief because we've got a whole evening here, and you know, a goal is for us to be done a little bit later than normal, probably about 7:45, 7:50, just so you're on, you know, kind of uh, understanding. That's kind of the, the way the night's going to go. Uh, everywhere I put a, did I put them? Let me go. Oh, I can't, sorry, my glasses on. I do have them there. See those little black circles? Yeah, can you see that? I, I don't have my glasses on, so I didn't. I couldn't see them, but I, I did. I was like, I know I put them on there. They're on there. So everywhere you see those black circles, including this one way up top. See that one? Way, way up top. We went all the way up there and from there, and you'll see that in the video. From that point, you can see Lebanon and Syria from that vantage point. It's way up on the north part of the Golan Heights. But uh, you'll see on the video where we start out. We flew into you know, Tel Aviv and up through uh, Netanya and then up through... Mount Carmel, and over, uh, you know, this is Megiddo right in here, and you'll see all that. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of give you one orientation where I talk you through it so it makes more sense when you see it in the video. But we started out there, and we do a big, basically a circle. We start out on the coast, up to Caesarea, up to Mount Carmel, which is right in that area, and then around the Sea of Galilee, up into the Golan Heights, down through the Jordan Valley, Sorry, I can't be in both places over here. You know. Can you see the other uh, over here? So then we come down and then down to 
there um, at the bottom of the Dead Sea is where Masada is. Then over to Jerusalem, you see just a small circle around Jerusalem because you do a lot right in Jerusalem. You don't need a bus. So, you know, once you get in Jerusalem, there's so much within uh, right there. And then we went down into the Elah Valley, which is over here. So, and again, we start on the coast, up north, down through the Rift Valley, which is also called the Jordan River Valley, um, and then Dead Sea, up through the Jericho Road, which is coming right up into Jerusalem there, which is a big incline from, uh, what is it? Uh, I forgot, 1,400 feet, below sea 1,400 feet below sea level to 2,600 feet above sea level. And it's quite a climb. So uh, that's where we went. That gives you an orientation of the map. And so you'll see in the pictures, anything you see is from starting the coast all the way up Sea of Galilee, the whole Galilee area. The Galilee, you have the Sea of Galilee, but then you have the Galilee, which is a region. be like Chesterfield or something like that. So that's where we went. Uh, what we learned, um, we learned the faithfulness of God through the ages. When you, when you see what God has done in the land of Israel, you learn the faithfulness of God. Now you already, you don't need to go to Israel to know this. It just reinforces this. The depth of the scriptures. And for me, again, uh, humbling to teach in certain places where the apostles had or where Jesus had, uh, where, where Moses had Isaac on Mount Moriah, because anytime you're on the Temple Mount, that is where Moses took Isaac long before it was Jerusalem. Uh, you know, he took him there. Or where Melchizedek was when it was Salem before it was Jerusalem. And you see these places. Um, the beauty of God's promised land. It's a beautiful place. It's only holy because God makes it holy. Amen? It's whatever God, anywhere God is, is holy. So. Uh, but it, it, it's called the Holy Land because, again, God has claimed it for his own, and it, it, the land is just beautiful. Uh, we learn the work of the gospel that's happening with both Arabs and Jews. You know, we're standing in front of the uh, Dome of the Rock there, so we're in front of a mosque, and yet uh, and there's another mosque on the other end of the property, which is on the Temple Mount there. But, uh, but God is saving a lot of Arabs and Jews. And then the next work that is taking place, which is a harder work, is God is actually taking Arab and Jewish believers and getting them to work together. And that's happening. But it's not an easy process because there are you know, a lot of other dynamics. But it is happening, and praise the Lord for it. Uh, we saw the impacts on all the other groups, the groups that were there from Korea and China and Ethiopia, and Nigeria, and Brazil, and you know, all over. You'll see many other groups, and you had a chance, we had a chance to interact. As a matter of fact, a Brazilian family just stopped at Mount Arbel and listened to the whole thing, came up to me afterwards and said, I really needed to hear that. And then lastly, the strength and grace of the Lord. Getting there, all the way there, back, sometimes not a lot of sleep. <laughs> you know, some of the folks, you know, I'm not used to be on a bus every day at 8 a.m., and then not getting to bed till later that night. So it was uh, a lot of the strength and grace of the Lord. What do, uh, these are, again, just some different pictures. And you see there's uh, Samuel. He's actually an Arab believer right there. Joel Rosenberg spoke to us. You know, you might see his new book, The Persian Gamble, came out uh, this week. He spoke to us at the hotel. And so we just got to hear from a lot of different men of God, Pastor Troy, Joel uh, Goldberg, different, different pastor. Um, and uh, lastly... What did we leave behind? Um, uh, we left behind, ultimately, I believe we left behind a good witness everywhere we went. Uh, but I put this little letter up. I actually got it today, team. Uh, the Nazareth Village sent me today that they have our little reservation for, uh, uh, we will permanently have Calvary Chapel's name on a brick in Nazareth Village, which is, which is really a ministry. They've reconstructed a, a village, and it's Amazing. You get a team can tell you about it. Uh, and it really is used to present the gospel. So they get a lot of unsaved people come through there. Uh, the, the ownership of Nazareth Village is out of Scotland. And you know, you'll find different things in, in Jerusalem or like that. They're owned by something in London or something in you know, South America or something like that. But uh, they just sent us this letter just thanking us. We made a $120 donation on behalf of the church to have our name on there and uh, and and you team forgot, you're the ones that asked me to do it. So we did do it, and um, 
So they sent that today, thanking us. So we left behind, our name will be there, and, uh, but I think we left behind a lot of good conversations and witness wherever we went. Pictures don't really do justice. Uh, no, nowhere you travel, it's not just Israel, anywhere you go, uh, it gives you a little bit of income. I do want to clarify one thing, and then Trevor's going to introduce two that are going to give a testimony. Um, wherever you see like the Roman columns and the Roman Colosseums, like you might have saw uh, at the beginning, where in Caesarea you saw there's a Roman Colosseum there. There was actually a chariot uh, area for racing. You couldn't see all that. And it, it, we didn't go. We didn't show enough areas to show. But the aqueduct, all that. Uh, and then you saw another place where it said Bet Shen, where Saul's body was hung, but that was up on the original city. Then the Roman ruins you saw there was a city called Scythopolis, which was built in the Roman time. So you had in Israel in the time of Jesus, you had Roman cities and you had Jewish cities. And so wherever you see, you know, the team was seeing Roman ruins, that they're the exact same like Roman blueprints as you would see in Greece and Rome, and Turkey, they built the cities, you know, they had the main road with the columns, and the Colosseum, and the audit, you know, you just had the bathhouses, all that stuff. So, just kind of clarifying that for you. Uh, we've got a couple of people that are going to give just a brief, like, five-minute testimony, and then we're going to have a panel, which we're going to have some questions for them. So, you want to invite up our two that are going to share. Thank you, Pastor Tim. We will have a couple folks come up and just just a quick five-minute testimony each of the things they experienced. But quickly, when you go through a trip like that, there's so many things that the Lord does on that trip, and it's hard to kind of pinpoint one particular thing. But one thing in, that kind of comes to mind is we took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and it was so calm and so tranquil. And to read God's word and to know the things that took place on that sea and then, and then to be on that sea, it was just amazing. I could have spent all day there. That and Mount Beatitudes, I could have, everybody else could have gone on, I could have stayed right there. It was awesome. But as Pastor Tim said, we do have a couple of folks who have graciously said they'd come up and to share a little bit, if I could have Johnny and our friend Will come up in um, five minutes of just um, what the Lord did with you during that time. Okay. Boy, I'm glad I saw that video because I had forgotten half the things that I, <laughs> that I had seen because it seemed like we went so fast and my brain is so slow. Um, I wanted just to... Um, say a couple of things in Hebrew. My friend Anne's going to help me. The first one is the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Baruch Shem Kavod Melhuto Leolam Bayet. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Sorry. The Lord is one. Blessed is his name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. And then the other one is, this is out of the uh, Messianic Jewish Siddur, by the way. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Malach HaOlam Ashir Natanalanu Et Rech Yeshua Bimasheah Yeshua. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation. In Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Woo! Well, as you can see, uh, I love the Jewish people. I love Israel, and this was a real blessing. And I just want to tell you about God's faithfulness to me. Um, my husband and I had planned to go there several times, and then something always happened. Either there were some going on in Israel, or I couldn't get off work or something like that. And then my husband passed away in 2005. Um, and this was like a bucket list thing. I'm not dying, but this was like a bucket list thing. And um, 
the Lord provided everything for me. And I just didn't think when I had my surgery back in August, I had a knee replacement, and I thought, oh, I'll never be able to go. I'll never be able to walk. It was just so, such a hard time. But he did restore me. Even up until about two weeks before the trip, I was still concerned that I wouldn't be able to go. But God was faithful. When I say that he's faithful, even in my finances, and I never asked, I never put it on Facebook, I never let anyone know how much the trip cost. I didn't want to, actually I didn't want my family to, to know where I was, where the money was coming from. So um, about two days before Christmas, I had uh, one payment left on my trip, and it was $750. And I had a phone call from a lady that I knew from years ago. I hadn't seen her, but maybe once or twice the last couple of years. And she said, I'd like to come see you before you go to Israel. So she came over uh, two days before Christmas, she said, I want to bring you something. And I thought, oh boy, fudge. This is, this is what I want. <laughs> so she came and uh, we sat down at the end of the hall because she's allergic to cats. So she couldn't come in my apartment. And she brought this little box. And it was a little Christmas box. And she said, here, I want you to have this. I want you to take this to Israel. Use it in Israel. And I opened it up. And on the top of Inside the box, there were 25 $1 bills. And she said, I want you to use those for tips because I want you to spread my money through Israel because I love Israel and the Jewish people. Well, I picked up the box. I looked underneath the ones. There were seven $100 bills. Now, I owed $750 on my trip. She gave me $725. Two days later, my son gave me a gift certificate, and inside, with the gift certificate, was $25. So, so there was my $750. So, what this trip meant to me, um, when, I, when we arrived in Jerusalem at night, and we were standing on the outlook, looking over Israel and all the lights, I lost it. <laughs> I really lost it because it was like, I was so blessed to be there, and the Lord just made a way. And you think he, you're not going to be able to do something, he will help you. Um, the other time that I had a real moment, we were in the uh, Israel Museum, and on the wall was the ironic blessing, which Pastor Tim just spoke about a few months, and he says every Sunday. And I asked our tour guide to read it in Hebrew. Hebrew is a very um, important language to me, and that was very important. And that was my other moment. Um, it was all great. The team was great. Uh, I was so thankful for everyone, but especially Trevor, because whenever I was way behind... He would come and wait for me, uh, anyone. He was always the last person to make sure the last person was where they're supposed to be. And when he came to my, our bell, and I looked up the steps, and I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do this. So Trevor went halfway up so that he could see me, and halfway up so that he could see the team. And as I sat there, I prayed, and I said, I wonder what they're doing up there. So... I'd really like to go. So I would take about 10 or 15 steps, catch my breath. I'd go about 10 or 15 more steps. Finally reached the top where everybody, and you've seen the pictures, how awesome it was. And I was so glad, again, that's God's faithfulness, giving me the strength to get up there. And um, I just want to say that I've never seen a group of so many people get along so well and help each other and love each other. And the food was good too. All of the food was good. Thank you. And William carried my backpack. Well, thank you, Miss Joni.
Yeah, I like how she threw in some Hebrew in there. You wouldn't like to hear me try to do that. Okay, so, so six years ago, my dad, Dr. Russ, went to Israel, uh, which is, so 2013, uh, him and Pastor Tim and Sarah, and when he came back, he told me all about it, and uh, I asked if our church went again, if I could go with him, uh, the church group, and God, and I prayed about that, and God answered that prayer and allowed me to go uh, in February of 2019, so praise the Lord for that. Um, so I'm going to be talking about um, three things. One, my favorite, favorite food there. Uh, two, obviously, you have to do that. And then my favorite site. And a, thank you. And, <laughs> and um, uh, a, a verse that spoke to me when I was there. So, so I think I'll start with the most important of the three which um, would obviously be the food. You know, you have to do that. So the food, so how it works is we would have, uh, the, the hotels would provide buffets uh, for breakfast and dinner, and, which was awesome because I love buffets because, you know, it's an endless amount of food. So, yeah, you know, you have to love buffets, um, which is also good because I wasn't very familiar with what they had there, so I got to taste and test a lot of everything that, everything that they had there and experiment. And most everything was good. Not everything was great, <laughs> if, I, if I have to be honest. Um, such as I had a bull tongue. That bull tongue, that was, don't try that. <laughs> Just take my word for that. <laughs> don't try that. Um, they had, the, but the good meats that they did have, they had chicken and uh, fish primarily, which was, I, I enjoyed that a lot, uh, but no pork, because that's what they do, no pork, so no bacon, so that was a heartbreak. <laughs> mm. um, and they also had a lot of vegetables and greens. I knew a lot of, like, what the greens were and stuff, and like, but, but some of the greens and the plants and all that they had there was just... I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was good, but it was, I don't know. It was weird. Um, anyway, so that was uh, for the food. Moving on to the site. What? <laughs> I really don't know what you guys are laughing at, but anyways, uh, my favorite site was probably Masada, which is a it's a it's a plateau with a fortress on it, and it was. It was where the Jews fled from the Romans in, uh, t I think, 20, uh, sorry, 70, 80, I think. And it's when the Romans were basically conquering all of Israel uh, in that day and age. And the last Jews fled there um, to escape the persecution, I guess you could say. Um, and the, the reason I chose that, there's no b biblical significance um, to Masada. Jesus never went there or spoke about it, um, to my knowledge. However, um, I really enjoyed seeing um, the, how the Romans conquered that and their ingenuity, because basically it's a, it's a plateau. So several hundred feet um, of basically like a straight cliff all the way around, then on a, a wall on top of that is out in the middle of the desert so in order for, to get out there, they had to build these wooden ladders. And again, this is a desert, so they can't just, you know, there are no woods around there at all. So they have to bring lumber from miles away. And then they had to have to uh, build the ladders there. But also on top of that, the uh, Jews were firing like air, fire arrows and burning their ladders. So I don't know, I just thought that was a neat place because just to, something that they, uh, to see the Romans in that. Uh, and their ingenuity in capturing Masada. Uh, and my favorite verse, I, it, that was hard because there's so many great verses out there, but uh, I would have to say one verse that did speak to me was Matthew 6, 33, 
which says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. So I think that's a really important a reminder is just that we can put other things in front of God so easily and so often, which I often do all the time, unfortunately. Um, and I'm trying to teach myself to put God first. And uh, so I, I just think that's a very good reminder. And that is all that I have. So. Uh, we need... We need a couple chairs up here, um, so if we can grab, I think they're grabbing some. Thank you for both of you. Um, you didn't mention anything about hummus. There's ton, lots of hummus, lots of olive oil, lots of olives. Um, one morning, one morning I saw Will eating. His entire plate was his red because you can eat like they have. They have Danishes and the like. They're they're all homemade, and you know they have a lot of a lot of croissants with chocolate inside. And but tons of breakfast is a lot of cheeses. If you like cheese, it's your place because uh, it's all everything you eat in Israel is from Israel. The, it's from the dairy cows there. It's from the orange groves there. It's from the lemon trees there. It's from the papaya. You name it. Dates. Everything. So breakfast has lots of cheeses and lots of breads. So you can eat like France. It's very much like France in that way. Uh, France has a lot of breads and a lot of cheeses. Uh, and you can have, you know, different kinds of cereals, milk. And the cappuccino machine is amazing there, isn't it, folks? Uh, you just, like, have ten, you know. So, But one more. Now, look, Will, he didn't have a single, like, Danish. It was all Israeli food. He even had, like, salad on his plate for breakfast. So I, I thought... He really is adapting here. So uh, you might even have fish on there. I mean, locks or something like that. So it was, it was, it was interesting to see. Um, we're going to have, uh, if you're on the panel, I need you to come up because I don't remember the names of everyone that is on the panel. But if you are, you know who you are. Please come up. And, and Johnny mentioned Trevor um, bringing up the rear. Now, I asked him before we went on the trip to do all that, and he was phenomenal. Uh, but not only that, you know, Trevor actually collected the money and all the stuff for a year and a half of kind of getting the whole trip together, and he was just invaluable to me and to the team, and uh, he stayed not just at the rear for our group, but the entire group. So Lynchburg had some some stragglers at times, too, and then he had to you know get them moving, and um, so he was just a huge help. Uh, Scott was a big help to me in, in some other areas, and so it was just a, it was a team effort. I know it was a group, but I refer to it as a team because we had to have teamwork. Uh, and once you go on a trip with 50 people and you have to get through like the Istanbul airport, for example, and you have to get through different places, you need teamwork because it's hard to keep people together through narrow city streets and easier when we were up in the Galilee and stuff like that, but not so easy when we got in Jerusalem. So uh, I'm going to remove this. So we can have some questions. And let's see. Get over here. I've got a couple of pre-planned questions that we can uh, ask a couple. And then if, and if we have a couple of questions from you guys in the audience, you know, we'll uh, ask a couple. But um, let's see. Uh, let's start with Nicole. Nicole, uh, share what, uh, what uh, site or location impacted you the most. Uh, I guess it's hard to pick just one, so I'm going to pick two. That's fine. <laughs> uh, my first favorite was Mount Arbel, uh, just overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't, it's not mentioned by name in the Bible, but it does say in Scripture where, uh, and he went up, to pray and that's logically where he would have went up to pray and when you're on the Sea of Galilee it's the most pronounced mountain because how it's rocky and there's a big divide in between the mountain there um, so I would say that that's one of my favorite because we went up early in the morning and we had a Bible study and worship and our Bible study was on prayer and just to sit and pray and study where you know that Jesus sat and prayed and studied so and 
my second favorite place, um, I guess scripturally, is when we were in the area where a lot of idol worship was, like the where the Temple of Pan was, if you saw it in the video. There was a lot of idol worship there. They had um, to the idol of Nemesis and different things there. And that is actually where Jesus gave the I, one of the I Am statements. And it said, um, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I am, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some others say Jeremiah. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So I just found it interesting that Jesus picked Caesarea Philippi, that specific area where all of the idol worship was going on to make the I am statement. Who do you say that I am? You have all these other so-called gods before you, but who do you say that I am? I am the God. I, no one else is, but I am. Uh, and then also in that scripture, that's Matthew 16, right after he says that, before, like in Matthew, before Matthew 16, 20 and before, it talks about the kingdom. And then after that, starting in verse 21, the rest of Matthew talks about the cross and going to the cross. So the dividing point in what that statement had. Great, thank you. Um, John, question for you. Um, what was something about Israel, the people or the land that you did not expect or perhaps surprised you or changed a perspective you may have had? Anything in that realm? Really? Is it on? No, yes, no. And if you don't, you can share anything else you feel like. <laughs> now you get to press it, hold it pretty down, hold it down pretty good. And then. Uh, I really want to kind of follow through on, thank you, uh, what uh, Trevor had mentioned uh, and go back. Uh, for just a second, uh, to the photograph of when we were at the Mount of the Beatitudes. And, and the reason being is that I really would like you to, while, 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 we were, while we were there, and I'll continue on here for a second, while we were there, while it was fenced in and so forth, you, you really felt the presence and, and I really mean that. And, and what, am, what am I trying to get at is that this is a picture that I took at, at Galilee, okay, at sunset. But you see there's a bird in there too. Now, granted, there's probably a lot of gulls. Uh, you know, you would hope that maybe it's a dove. But again, you could see that from that, that standpoint. Now, again, if you're on top of a, a mountain, or uh, I'm going to say overlooking the sea with its calmness, I want you just to close your eyes for a second and just look over this area. You have outcroppings that actually look like seats. And you have there, and I'd like to go ahead and read this from, from my Bible. You have the Lord speaking to people. And, 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 and again, close your eyes kind of just sit there and visualize, you know, him out, outstretching his hands on this hillside, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and him saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who persecuted, excuse me, for righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That to me was probably the most spiritual aspect of it all. Mm. I'm kind of losing a little bit, but it really was. It was touching. Not only touching, but it was just uplifting to just be there 
where he would have spoke, where we had gone out on the Galilee on the boat, and we saw in the distance where the Mount of Beatitudes would have been, and a gently inclining, I'm going to call it hill, if you want to call it that. It's just fantastic. So what did I think of Israel? It was, it was, it was wonderful. Um, the, the, the one thing that kind of got me was when we were up uh, on the mount, um, and we, we, so many places, so many names, I, I, I've, I've forgotten half of them, but we were there, and we had the, the, the one gentleman that was uh, the Masonic, Joel, no, what, was it Joel? He was doing the, yes. Uh, and, and, and he was he was showing us where the Philistines and David would have battled and so forth. But 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 what was what was striking was that there are and, and Tim had mentioned this. There are a lot of people that are moving to the the faith, but there are a lot that are just still not. And yet these are the chosen people. These you know, the Jews that are that are God's people, and yet. They're not believers, and they're not believers even in their own faith. That's what kind of caught, got me when he said nearly 50% or, or more were, were atheistic. So that was, that was probably one of the most striking things. But, it was, but overall, it was just beautiful. You know, yeah, so. you bring up a couple of great points, uh, you know, the, the topography of the land. Uh, when I was sharing at Arbel, I didn't have a microphone and everything, and yet everyone could hear me fine, well, well up to, you know, wherever Trevor took that angle, you were way back when you took that picture, uh, and because you project, and Jesus would teach the same way against the hillsides, and, and yet, whether it's Carmel, or Beatitudes, or Capernaum, or our, you have seating, naturally seating. The other thing, as John mentioned, even though more people have come to faith that are Jewish in Israel in the last hundred years than the previous, I want to say 900 or even maybe 2,000, I think, is the, combined. It's still only 1% of the country's believers. So, um, but it used to be like .000, you know, so uh, many people have, but you're right. Uh, half the nation is agnostic or atheist. The other half is a mix of everything from orthodox all the way up to you know, they go to, they celebrate Shabbat or go to temple, but they're not, you know, or synagogue, but they're not really deeply practicing. So uh, much like America in a lot of respects like that. But um, that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing and, and uh, your heart. That's awesome. Um, let's see, Nong. Uh, let's see. Um, what location was the most beautiful to you? Not necessarily the most spiritual, although they could have been the same place, uh, but the most beautiful to you, uh, just as far as how you experienced it. And again, it could be the same spiritual impact place too. But um, Just to be there, I don't have a favorite place. I mean, to me, just like the all beautiful, I mean, like where we went, you know, all the, gosh, I mean, Everything just grows so lush, you know, it's like everywhere you go, it's like you see the, I can't, I can't think of anything that is not breathtaking there. It was like, like, I can't, I can't actually like pinpoint, like everybody said, mm -hmm. you can't pinpoint, like, you know, this is, this is what is beautiful place. Because it's all beautiful, whether the desert or, I mean, the desert. It's just like, I don't, man. I would say, hmm. Oh yeah. Um. I don't even. Yeah. Okay. If they're all your favorite, that's yes, fine. I mean, like, you guys all have latitude with exactly, this. Exactly, you know, yeah. This I mean, is, like, uh, as, even if you just drive by and just stop and look, you know, it's like, wow, it's like, I want this place. You know, it's like, it just, it's just beautiful. I just, I just can't wait to go back again. One of the things that, yeah. uh, just, just to point out, I, I pulled the map up just to explain something yeah. for those. 
So every, you know, the West Bank, well, actually, when we were, everything up here is lush and green. Yes. Everything above this red line. You've heard of the West Bank in the news. The West Bank belongs to Israel. It's fully controlled by Israel, but they cede the governmental control, mayor, you know, towns to the um, Palestinians. But yet, ultimately, in, in an Israel lets, lets them run that area, kind of like, um, I don't know, you know uh, the government kind of lets the Amish do their own thing you know, in, in some areas. Well, that's kind of the way, but more than that, this is, they have their own police, Palestinian police forces, Palestinian government. And so, but everything above that, it's not exactly that red line. You go, it's pretty lush further down too. But then at some point, as you come down the Rift Valley, you enter in, as you, Nicole said, we've got two hours south, then you start entering into the Judean Desert, which is gorgeous in its own right. Mm -hmm. It, it, nothing that we show gives you any justice to it. Just like if you go to desert places in Utah or Arizona, they're beautiful places, but yeah. they're but they're different. So as you come down the Jordan Rift Valley and there's a highway that runs, you're always looking. Remember, team, you could see right into Jordan. You're looking right across the border because, and you see the barbed wire down by the mm -hmm. down by the river. Um, then it become, but everything on this side, from about Jerusalem up to the Golan Heights is all green and lush this time of year. Uh, in the summer, it gets brown because it gets hot. You know, you don't really want to be, you don't want to be in the uh, Dead Sea Valley in the summer. It's like uh, 120 degrees. And, uh, but everything from Jerusalem, all in the yellow, all the way up to the Golan Heights, all the way down about the middle of the West Bank, very beautiful, very lush in the spring. So that's what you were describing. Yeah, what is the other question again? Uh, it, was just the most, it was just the most beautiful to you. What well, didn't have to be necessarily yeah. the most spiritually impactful, but if there was a place, you can go ahead and throw yeah, that I in. Mean, um, the, the place that, um, that we went that I really like that too is like um, the place that you, um, that we, that you guys um, did the Nazarene, is that, is that right? Where you put the plaque in there they were for donation? Oh, yeah, when we went to the, the, yes, the village of Nazareth. Village, yeah. yes. Nazareth and Village, yes. It, that place, you know, it's just like, I, you know, how he was, he was explaining to us about, about like, um, that really touched me because of, about, I mean, the Bible talking about, like, um, you know, like, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, follow me because of, um, he said, no, I can't because I'm going to bury my father. Mm -hmm. Let me bury my father first. And I was like, you know, when I read through that, I was like, wow, that's, that's a strain. You know, you don't drop, you're not going to drop your thing and just go ahead and follow the Lord. And if you said you love the Lord, why didn't you follow him? And it really made me understanding about the, how that guy was explaining about um, said no, he he didn't mean like that, you know. Like his dad is already passed away already, and then um, they just wait for his body body to decompose to pick up the bone and to have the wheel, you know, barrel for him. And you know, as you were reading through the Bible, you know, a little thing like that, you know, it's like really bother you. It's like <coughs> why would he say like that? Now, you know, when I went there, now I really understand. So okay, you know, I got it. So. So this really touched me with that. It's like, real, I, now I know why. You know, it's like, why would you do that? You love the Lord, you're not going to follow him. There's because, you know, and now I know why, because of that. So that really touched me to understand that. That's great. I, I, the Nazareth Village, I hadn't been there when we were yeah. in 2013. It really does make things come alive. I mean, obviously, it's in Nazareth, and, and they just excavated certain areas, and then they reproduced a few, but... Um, Thank you. That's great stuff. Uh, Trevor, uh, let's see. Um, I already know where you'd want to spend more time. That was Mount of Beatitudes. You made that beautiful place. We, get, we did not get to spend the time at Beatitudes that I would, in the future, uh, as I hadn't been there, and it was really an amazing place, and we didn't even scratch the surface of the, the grounds there. But uh, were there a, a specific scripture or Bible story that stood out to you and if it's one or two but uh 
along the way that really kind of popped in your mind? There were two. One was on the Mount of Beatitudes. Everywhere we went, there was a teaching, which was wonderful. But this time, Pastor Tim and Pastor Troy decided that instead of having like a formal teaching or an informal teaching, that members of the team would just get up and read the scripture, the same scripture that Jesus was teaching in the same place that he was teaching it. And we were sitting in the same place. It was just, that was amazing to hear the same words that Jesus spoke to the people, same experience. I was thinking about, as the scripture was being read, what an interesting idea that people would have heard when Jesus was speaking these words. Because the things that he was saying were so contrary to the culture of that day, or even today. And yet, the way, because he was Jesus, it floored the people hearing it. And it was, it, I can't say enough about that. That's one of those things that you, you play back in your, in, in your memory, and it was just wonderful. I want to go back and just reread that same scripture. That's why I was saying I could be there all day, because it was, it was absolutely amazing. The other place was seeing the same place that David defeated Goliath and knowing that, you know, around this kind of hill was where the Jewish army would have been and around that was the Philistine army and right in the center would have been Goliath and how Goliath could look up and the Philistine army could look up and see nobody doing anything because they were too afraid to come down. And then David, this little shepherd boy, filled with the power of God, comes down with a rock and runs at him and defeats him, just like that. And he knew he, he could do it because God had prepared him while he was in the field tending the sheep. And that's one of the reasons I believe made him such a, a great king is because he, had, he understood that concept of leading the people. Yes, he made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But that place, seeing where that took place, was, was awesome. I think, uh, Trevor, what you were talking about, where everyone um, read scripture. Beatitudes, yeah. Yes. Because I cried when I was there. Um, because we had this silent time where we were able to just hear God's voice. And it was just so powerful. And I didn't want to leave either. And it was just so beautiful to just um, connect in that way. Um, and I was so grateful that we had that opportunity to do that. Um, that's something that I was looking forward to doing the entire time. I said, oh, when are we going to get a chance to just you know, sit and just be silent and still so we can hear. Not so much talk, but just listen. And um, I just love that. And, um, and I wrote down things that I heard. And um, I was. So I took this little tiny notebook with me. And every day I would just jot down notes and um, teachings. And I would draw like a little picture to help me remember like where we were. I can't draw, but um, I tried my best. And so um, I would go back there. And then also um, the um, dome where the rock is. Um, for me, that was powerful as well because there were so many different types of people. There were so many different people there. And <clears throat> I grew up Muslim and to be there and see other Muslims there just kind of took me back. And then also to be there kind of like from a different perspective in that place. Um, it was tough for me to be there knowing that I grew up one way and now I'm here. You know, it was tough because my dad passed and I'm thinking to myself, what would he think right now? <laughs> and he die hard Muslim and, you know, so... 
all of those things were going through my mind, especially while we were there at that place. And it was, it was good because it gave me time to reflect on kind of like my past and where I am right now. Um, and I'm kind of changing the subject, but I'm not. <laughs> but one thing... Latitude. <laughs> one thing you said was... Um, I hope I get this right. Um, perfect love cast out all fear. You said that, and before we went on this trip, I kept hearing that from different people, and I just kept hearing it, and even after. And um, while we were there at the um, dome, you know, I had that fear. I'm like, what is my dad thinking right now of me? And then I remembered what you had said and what I had heard, and I just needed to connect. I needed to hear God so that that fear would leave, and it did. And um, so it was just really a beautiful experience. And I, I, I thank you and for those who, um, who had that idea to say, let's go and, not, and let's take others with us. So I just want to say thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I started thinking about taking a team about four years ago, and then we presented it two years ago, and then everybody had about... 18 months to kind of financially. Some people may not be a huge financial stretch. Other people, it, it feels like uh, someplace they could never ever afford to go. So, you know, we had people all at all points in between and we, and we helped some of our leaders. You know, I really wanted, I needed Trevor's help. I needed him to go, you know, I wanted Scott to be there. Matter of fact, so now all of our elders have been to Israel once. Scott, nice. Scott and Trevor went on this time. Russ has been. Uh, and, I, and I did even debate, even in my own mind, Israel versus mission trips, because we still do mission trips. And, uh, but every time churches, t I just talked to enough pastors that have taken teams, and they said, after Israel, some of our people finally will go take mission trips. So that is an interesting paradigm that, you know, that it can actually compel people to say, you know, I, I've seen, because the gospel starts in Jerusalem to Samaria and then to the uttermost, and sometimes... Going there, it's had that impact on people. So I just like hearing what it does with our team. We'll go ahead and wrap it up with Scott. And, and again, thank you for all your perspectives. And, and the team was awesome. You guys were easy, easy, easy. I mean, we have the logistic challenges of 50 people, but everybody was great. Uh, Scott, and, and along those lines, and again, you can pitch anything else in you want, but um, how did spending this trip, with other believers, as opposed to you and your wife just going by yourself, but spending it with believers, our church, Calvary Lynchburg, how, how did that impact you? You were 10 days with a bunch of other believers. How did that impact you? So, uh, you know, when you find out you're going to be 10 days with people you don't even know, uh, you get a little, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> um, but it was honestly... Um, Two perspectives. One, the the people that came along with us from Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, uh, I know a bunch. The bunch I know was none of them. Um, but everybody, when they showed up, it, it was like they were part of Calvary Chapel Richmond. It, it, there was no distance. There wasn't a gap. It's not like, I don't really get along with you because you're from another church. It, it was almost like we were already one body. Um, and, and then... You know, I don't know any other event. We do a lot of events here at Calvary Chapel Richmond that we all attend. But I don't know any other kind of event like this that would have all of us together. You know, hanging out with John and, and, and Trevor um, as, as the guys. And then, you know, all the women hanging out. That We all have families and lives that, that you know, we show up at an event and then we take off. Well, when you're together for 10 days and you're... You know, you're busy for 14, 16 hours, and then you're, you're, you know, slammed and tired, but then you're refreshed during the day, and you're praying, and, and you're reading the Word, and it, it was amazing. I, I honestly never thought um, that it would gel like that so quickly. Um, the minute we all showed up here to get on the bus, there there was, I mean, it was almost like we had everything in common and all of us were best friends. 
uh, whereas normally, you know, we come on a Sunday or a Wednesday and you say hi, you may have maybe have five or ten minutes of chat and then you take off. Um, it was a great time to actually meet people. You got to, you can see people and know people at a certain level on a Wednesday and a Sunday, maybe even a Friday night fellowship or some other event. But you're like, is that the real person? I don't really know. Well, 10 days, you know, when you're rolling, you really get to know the person and you know them on, on a deeper level. And it, it was it was beautiful. Um, it, probably those are the only type of trips or mission trips where you can truly know someone at, mm-hmm. at that level. And, and, and your hearts become intertwined. Um, you, your, your arms are locked and your hearts are intertwined for the Lord and, and because of what he's doing. The work he's doing in each of us individually, but the work he's doing as a group altogether. Um, so that answers that question, but I have latitude, so yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's a great place to go. You know, if you like it, it, vegetables and fruit and salads, I don't. <laughs> so Will talks about food. I was extremely proud. I tried every dessert that hotel had. <laughs> every single hotel, I tried every single dessert, and it was awesome. Uh, but I, I, just one, one point that, that everyone probably ha- has already gotten across to you guys, every location affected somebody differently, you know, based on scripture or, or just how the Lord was working in their heart. I had no idea what I was going to see. I've been in the Middle East before. I've never been there. Um, so as we went, I'm, I'm a very visual guy. And so when we read Scripture, you, get it, you read it, but sometimes you don't have context. And, and for me, when we rolled out on the Sea of Galilee, and I know it's been mentioned, but when I'm sitting there and I'm looking out on the Sea of Galilee, like, cause in my mind, when I read that scripture, I'm thinking like Swift Creek Reservoir. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, Lake Anna, Smith Mount Lake. So we get out there, and the Sea of Galilee is gigantic. So in Matthew chapter 14, they had Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, right? Not including families or anyone else that was there. Beginning of of chapter 14, in verse one, Jesus tells the disciples to go. Uh, and and I'll I'll be with you I'll I'll meet you over there so in my mind when I read that verse I'm thinking okay you know he's going across with Creek Reservoir like and he'll be there in a couple hours but when you go see the Sea of Galilee and how big it is I now have an idea the disciples were like you're going to do what you know there's no way you're going to meet us on the other side it would take weeks to walk around from where we were to the other side it was so it's so big because if you saw the pictures of on top of Mount Arbel where we were doing the, um, the Bible study, what looked like the horizon was still the Sea of Galilee. I mean, from up on the cliff, you can't see the end of it. So, as was discussed, when Jesus tells his disciples to just go and I'll, I'll, I'll meet you on the other side, that's huge because you, you don't... They probably didn't grasp, okay, you're going on another boat, how are you doing this? Um, because it's such a large, massive body of water uh, when you're actually standing there in person. And then when he's, if he was up on Mount Arbel, which is a perfect, because <laughs> when he goes up, that's the only place you can go up when you're at the Sea of Galilee for the most part. Looking down, he would have seen the storm coming. I mean, he would have seen everything. He knew, it, it just... Being there in person whenever uh, we do another trip, to put it in context and see it in person, to me, that was where it started to make Scripture come alive to me. I actually was like, oh my gosh, you know, this Scripture meant this. This scripture. And the only other thing I'll say, and then I'll turn the mic off. When we were at the Western Wall, and uh, because we had, we had like the VIP of tour guides, he took us into areas we couldn't go, and then we had an underground tour. To touch the wall that was part of the first temple that was all the way down there, is that right? Well, the, the it, very, very the, bottom. If you go way to the far, far north end, yes. But only way down where, it's the, where, it's, where it butts into the, the mountain itself. Okay, so whether it was the, the, the other parts, the second the, temple, the, the, the second temple to touch that wall, <clears throat> I mean, it was immense for me. 
It was a 500-ton piece of rock that was expertly carved and expertly like put in place with no hydraulics. Yeah, that could have been the first temple that area too. Yeah. But it was to see this stuff is, is phenomenal, and you'll never read scripture. You'll never take a portion for granted again. So just my two cents. Well, thank you. Can, can you kind of just? Yeah. I, I know there's about five more minutes. So, can you kind of just give us a perspective of of the travel uh, and the mission of of, of Jesus? Meaning that when when we're, when we're talking about going from on the map, you mean? Okay, well, on the map. So so we went to several locations. So it'll been like for us to walk from here to Petersburg. If if he mm -hmm. was going to walk from from Galilee to 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 even Jerusalem and then to even further on north to Mount Hermon mm -hmm. and so forth. So what, what I'm getting at is, so, so when, you, when you take a look at it, he was on the move all the time. Mm -hmm. He did not stop because, again, his, his ministry was such that while he was still stationed in Capernaum, he, he went throughout the yeah. whole realm. Yeah, like the Galilee to Jerusalem is about a... I want to say that's about a 50-mile walk. So, um, and then then you add another 40, 30 to 40 miles up to Mount Hermon. Um, so, but all around the Sea of Galilee, I mean, as Scott said, the circumference of it is significant. Um, it he did a lot of walking. There's no doubt about that, um, and a lot of day, full days journeys, and that's why you'd see where he would spend time in a village. It would say he'd stay there for a while or um, to spend time with people. But uh, um, the, you guys saw the topography. It's very mountainous. It's very hilly. Um, uh, you know, we were only there, and we were there in a really nice time of year when the weather is great. We did get one rain day. Jerusalem can get cold rather quickly this time of year. And, uh, but Jesus was also doing those walks in the dead of summer when it would be 110 in the shade. So, uh, you know, all of that comes into play. And, um, but uh, subjected himself to that for us. But um, I hope that that, you know, I hope that, you know, overall that you guys have a good perspective uh, from our team how many of you would want to go again? Just the team that went. Uh, all their hands up. You know what? There are no direct flights. There's no direct flights. You know, you know who has direct flights? I think New York City. Uh, I think New York City does now have direct from New York to Tel Aviv, but I don't believe anybody else does because there's a lot of Jewish population in New York that flies there, but I could be wrong. All right, just one. You know, we're going to close it out. Fun thing. Oh, you, gotta, you get one answer down the line. Just for everybody. In the Druze village, you got a choice of shawarma, <coughs> falafel, schnitzel, or labanay. Shawarma, falafel, schnitzel, or labanay. You only get one choice. What are you picking? Shawarma. Shawarma? Shawarma, but Seth loved the chicken schnitzel okay. because it was like a big giant chicken patty. Okay. <laughs> schnitzel. Shawarma. Labanay. All right. Only one labanay. I would also say labanay, but the, what, anyway. What is that? Can you help us out? It's like chicken nuggets. Big patty chicken nuggets. We know what schnitzel is, but what's the labanay? The labanay was uh, a Druze make, they make some kind of it would be uh, somewhat between, like, if you're familiar with the Middle East, naan, you know, the big bread, naan, and pita, but then thin, that it can fold like a tortilla. And then it had, it had their local goat cheese, and it had sesame seeds, and some kind of spices, and olive oil. Um, it was awesome. I'd never had it before, yes. They make it all hand, everything's handmade. And then, of course, the shawarma is chopped chicken with all kinds of stuff in it, and falafel is the chickpeas and all that good stuff. But anyway, you guys voted well. Let's close in prayer. Uh, thank you. Uh, we did our best. Um, I knew it would be a decent amount to cover, and, and we didn't really have all the team or anything like that close to it. But thank you for hanging in there, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um...
I think that, you know, if we did do another trip in a couple of years, that we probably would have more people want to go, and uh, you won't regret it if we do do that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. Uh, bringing us there and back. Thank you for the impact that it's had on the team. And I pray, Lord, that it would not just have an impact temporarily, but it would be ongoing. And, and they would even desire more to uh, just to be your lights and witnesses here uh, on mission trips, serving here. Uh, Lord, I, th I pray that um, uh, the overflow from the team would, would touch the lives of others that are also uh, in our body and weren't able to go, but uh, and Lord, maybe even if others that want to go, uh, others would have a similar testimony as Johnny where people would come and help them be able to go. And, and the same thing for this summer with mission trips and things like that, Lord. We pray that uh, it would just be uh, the body helping the body. Thank you for this time tonight. Give everybody a safe trip home, and we ask it in your name. Amen.